Speaking in tongues, prophecy, spiritual gifts. What are they? Are they like Christian superpowers and can I get one? Let's talk about it together. Now, dear brothers and sisters, regarding your question about the special abilities the Spirit gives us, I don't want you to misunderstand this. Other versions would say, I don't want you to be unaware. I don't want you to be ignorant about spiritual gifts. Honestly, that's how I felt most of my life. I mean, sure, I've tried to use the force. I mean, use spiritual gifts, but nothing's happened. And I think this is a common feeling for people. In fact, spiritual gifts are often misunderstood, misused, and controversial. Often we see two extremes when it comes to spiritual gifts. In one, uh, a group or a church is all in, and in their worship services and their church services, you maybe see videos of uh, them worshiping, and they act like drunk, squiggly, wiggly squirrels, and there's just a whole bunch of weirdness, right? Or maybe you see the other side, and they say, well, maybe these gifts were good for the ancient Jesus followers, but, you know, we're modern, and we have the Bible, so don't even raise your hand during the, the music time at church, because I think you're getting a little wacky there. In fact, entire denominations, groups of churches, have been created based on how each group views and understands these spiritual gift things. It's one reason why I'm glad Cross Creek, our church, our leadership chose not to be part of a denomination, because it leaves room for a variety of thoughts and views on this. In fact, one of our mottos is, we can disagree and be in the same family. So remember that as we talk about spiritual gifts here. And to show really, I'd love to give a balanced view of every view of spiritual gifts, but to show that would really take probably another 10-part series just on spiritual gifts. So what we're going to do in this episode is give an overview of what hopefully what I've discovered in, in the study and research I've done, while at the same time explaining some other views. Now, just because, as we start, just because something has been misused doesn't mean it's inherently inherently wrong, like, like a hammer, right? So as we go through this, I'm going to advise all of us to, to be open, to be gracious, to not think we know it all. And if we do that, here's what I think we'll discover. The Holy Spirit plays a leading role in our relationship with God and with each other. So here we go. The most in-depth talk we have in the biblical writings about spiritual gifts is in the book we call 1 Corinthians. The early church in ancient Corinth had really a lot of problems and divisions over a lot of different issues, including spiritual gifts. So the Apostle Paul writes them a series of letters telling them basically, shape up. And we have one of those letters written around AD 53, which we call 1 Corinthians. And what Paul writes here is not, and he actually never does write, a, comp a complete, systematic, comprehensive theology of spiritual gifts. So you have to remember that each of Paul's letters in the New Testament, especially 1 Corinthians, is addressing specific issues in specific communities. And it seems the Corinthians were experiencing the Holy Spirit manifest himself in many different ways in their gatherings. But they're getting carried away with and, and focusing too much on like the extravagant, the, the outward manifestations, like speaking in tongues and, and healings and those types of things. And they were saying that one person's gift was more important and better than what someone else does. And so Paul's main point in this book is to explain the importance of diversity with unity. But in this explanation, in this correction to this ancient church, I think we can glean some insight and answer some questions we have about spiritual gifts. So let's start with what are spiritual gifts? 
Now, dear brothers and sisters, regarding your question about the special abilities the Spirit gives us, I don't want you to misunderstand this. First, the phrase, some of your translations might say, spiritual gifts. That phrase, spiritual gifts, is not actually what Paul says. In fact, that, there's, that's, spiritual gifts is nowhere in the biblical writings. Better, the, the word actually used is like spirituals or spiritual things, things the Holy Spirit does. So really the best phrase when talking about spiritual gifts is manifestations of the Spirit. Things the Spirit does through Jesus followers. These are things that are activated and empowered by the Holy Spirit. You know that when you were still pagans, you were led astray and swept along in worshiping speechless idols. So I want you to know that no one speaking by the Spirit of God will curse Jesus, and no one can say Jesus is Lord except by the Holy Spirit. So Paul is saying, talking to these ancient Jesus followers, just as you were influenced by false idols, like the Greek and Roman idols back in their day, just as you were influenced by them, now you are being influenced by the Holy Spirit. Something interesting. Speaking in tongues and different types of prophecy was nothing new in the ancient world. It wasn't like uh, Christianity came and now people are speaking in tongues. No, it was normal. Praying in an unintelligible language and like being in some kind of trance was really a common form of prayer in the Greek and Roman religions. And so what's, what Paul is most likely saying is that when you used to be swept away by worshiping these idols, there were spiritually empowered people in touch with spiritual powers that were real and that would influence you. You were influenced by spiritual powers, but it wasn't the power of the Holy Spirit of God. You are experiencing something different now. And he's saying when someone is spiritually influenced, if it is the Holy Spirit they will never curse Jesus. Or maybe what he's talking about is use the name of Jesus as a curse. Like, may Zeus curse you for cheating me in business. And he's saying, if it isn't the Holy Spirit, somebody's, you know, empowered by some spiritual force or whatever. If it isn't the Holy Spirit, they won't say Jesus is Lord. Why? Because when you are truly influenced by the Holy Spirit, it will always point to Jesus. So it's a really important fact is the Holy Spirit always points to Jesus. There are different kinds of spiritual gifts, but the same Spirit is the source of them all. There are different kinds of service, but we serve the same Lord. God works in different ways, but is the same God who does the work in all of us. And if you remember, in, throughout the series, we've been saying the purpose of the Holy Spirit is to give life to a new people who will show the world the love Jesus offers. These new people are a taste of what humanity will be when everything is renewed in and through Jesus. And Paul's saying these manifestations are part of that future breaking into our lives now. God is helping and encouraging and leading his new people now in a world that is not yet remade. And he does this in a variety of ways, but they all come from the same God. So the question is, if these are things are real and they happen, and Paul's saying, at least for them, they, it did, why does the Holy Spirit give these manifestations? Like, what's the point of all this stuff? A spiritual gift is given to each of us so we can help each other. So why are the manifestations given? For each other, for the common good. The Holy Spirit acts through individual Jesus followers for the good of the community of Jesus followers. And then Paul goes on to list the ways the Holy Spirit has manifested himself through the church at Corinth. To one person, the Spirit gives the ability to give wise advice. To another, the same Spirit gives a message of special knowledge. The same Spirit gives great faith to another and to someone else. The one Spirit gives the gift of healing. He gives one person the power to perform miracles and another the ability to prophesy. He gives someone else the ability to discern whether a message is from the Spirit of God or from another Spirit. Still another person is given the ability to speak in unknown languages. 
while another is given the ability to interpret what is being said. So here we have one of the main lists of the different spiritual gifts. And later on in this passage, he, explain, he expands on this list. And then there's another list that Paul gives in Romans 12. And then scattered throughout the New Testament, we see some other gifts mentioned. Now, one view of these gifts is that when someone becomes a Jesus follower, when the Holy Spirit comes into them and seals them and baptizes them, they are given their own specific gift for life. And it's meaning that some have the gift of speaking in tongues, while another might have the gift of hospitality or administration, that type of thing. It's kind of like each Jesus follower has his own Jesus superpower. Like in The Incredibles, right? Where one guy has super strength and one lady has elasticity and then you have the ice guy, right? And when you go into your church gathering and say, where is my super suit? And maybe you've taken a uh, spiritual gifts test. That comes from this idea. When I would take those, it's funny, I always got the gifts I wanted to get at the beginning of the test. Now, I'm not going to say, I'm not going to say that this is a definitely incorrect view. But from what I have seen, it doesn't seem this is what Paul is getting at. First, when we look at these lists, no list is exactly the same. I mean, think about it. If Paul was writing to people, telling what exactly the Spirit does, then you would think he would be very thorough on the types of things he does. I think it's more like when Paul lists the fruits of the Spirit in Galatians. That's not the only fruit the Spirit gives us. These are some of the examples. These are examples in this list of what of the Holy Spirit's manifestations in the Church of Corinth. The point of these lists is not to lay out a systematic, organized list of how all of this works and be able to pick and identify which one you have. Really, in the context of this passage, the point is to show that there are a variety of gifts and ministries and ways the Holy Spirit manifests himself in the local church body. As Paul, as Paul goes on to explain, the church is one body with many parts, and no one part is better than the others, and everyone is needed for the health and the good of the whole body. So it seems that most likely, Paul is saying the Holy Spirit works in a variety of ways, and over the course of a lifetime, the Holy Spirit can use the same person in a variety of ways, however he wants, in whatever way is best for the church. But here's the main thing. The Holy Spirit is always giving each Jesus follower a role to play in the body of Christ. In fact, we see this in what he says in verses 27 through 30. All of you together are Christ's body, and each one of you is a part of it. Here are some of the parts God has appointed for the church. First are apostles, second are prophets, third are teachers, then those who do miracles, those who have the gift of healing, those who can help others, those who have the gift of leadership, those who can speak in unknown languages. Are we all apostles? Are we all prophets? Are we all teachers? Do we all have the power to do miracles? Do we all have the gift of healing? Do we all have the ability to speak in unknown languages? Do we all have the ability to interpret unknown languages? Of course not. So he describes different ministries and roles and manifestations and says they're all part of a beautiful and diverse group of Jesus followers united in one body. And so he says, these things are great and they're given by the Holy Spirit, but there's actually a better gift that all of us must have. So you should earnestly desire the most helpful gifts, but now let me show you a way of life that is best of all. If I could speak all the languages of earth and of angels, but didn't, have, but didn't love others, I would only be a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. If I had the gift of prophecy, and if I understood all God's secret plans and possessed all knowledge, if I had such faith that I could move mountains, but didn't love others, I would be nothing. If I gave everything I have to the poor and even sacrificed my body, I could boast about it. But if I didn't love others, I would have gained nothing. 
See, love within the community of Jesus followers is the greatest gift of the Holy Spirit. Why? Because, Paul says, it's the only one that actually lasts forever. Prophecy and speaking in unknown languages and special knowledge will become useless, but love will last forever. Now our knowledge is partial and incomplete, and even the gift of prophecy reveals only part of the whole picture. But when the time of perfection comes, these partial things will become useless. When I was a child, I spoke and thought and reasoned as a child, but when I grew up, I put away childish things. Now we see things imperfectly, like puzzling reflections in a mirror, but then we will see everything with perfect clarity. All that I know now is partial and incomplete, but then I will know everything completely, just as God now knows me completely. Three things will last forever, faith, hope, and love, and the greatest of these is love. Now, some people just read this at their wedding, don't really understand what's going on. But others take this passage to support an idea called cessationism. That the idea that some of the Spirit's manifestations, like speaking in tongues and miracles and healing and that type of stuff, were only for the early church. While it was being created and, and God needed to prove that this was the real deal. But now we have the Bible and so the, the gifts have really died out. Again, I'm not going to outright say this is incorrect. But that doesn't seem to be what Paul is saying here. He's saying that all of these manifestations are great, but they are for our time now in the not yet. See, spiritual gifts are given to help the church in our already but not yet existence. They help Jesus followers live the life of God as the people of God in the in-between time we are in. Living in the kingdom of God as the first fruits before all of creation is remade. And one day, we won't need to pray in tongues because we will see God face to face. We won't need God to speak to us through prophecy because we'll already know him perfectly. But what will last is the love we are a part of right now. Let love be your highest goal, but you should also desire the special abilities the Spirit gives, especially the ability to prophesy. For if you have the ability to speak in tongues, you will be talking only to God since people won't be able to understand you. You'll be speaking by the power of the Spirit, but it will all be mysterious. But one who prophesies strengthens others, encourages them, and comforts them. It says, follow the way of love. But at the same time, yeah, desire the Spirit to manifest himself with you all for the good of each other, especially through prophecy, which he's saying is better than speaking in tongues. What? Like this, for us in 2023, this is kind of wacky, right? For those of us who haven't experienced this. Well, okay, here we go. Prophecy and speaking in tongues. Let me try to summarize the rest of chapter 14. When we're talking about speaking in tongues. There's two types we think of. First, we think of like Pentecost, where the Holy Spirit is allowing people to speak different human languages, where God is breaking down cultural and language barriers to create a new people from all peoples. In this passage, this is not what Paul is talking about. See, this speaking in this is speaking in languages no one knows. It's often called praying in tongues. Again, not a unique idea to Christians at that time. Now, normally when we pray, right, our mind is engaged and we're thinking about what we're going to say next, like trying to string together a coherent, coherent thought and words into like a sentence that people would understand as they're praying with us. We can do it together, right? Well, speaking in tongues is praying with your spirit apart from your mind. It's not directed at other people. It's only directed to God on a purely emotional level. It's between your subconscious and God. Some say it's the Holy Spirit praying through you. And this, you do this without letting your mind and your mouth really form meaningful language. You let the, your mouth release what you're feeling while your mind, though it's not detached, is at rest. 
I think we kind of do something similar like all the time, right? You get a cramp in your leg, you're like, right? Like, just like, this hurts. Like, your, your mind doesn't really know what you're saying. Your mouth is saying whatever expresses how you're feeling, right? And in this praying in tongues, you're, it's not in a trance-like state. The speaker isn't ecstatic or out of control. In fact, Paul says, when he's talking about doing this in a church service, no more than two or three should speak in tongues. They must speak one at a time, and someone must interpret what they say. But if no one is present who can interpret, they must be silent in your church meeting and speak in tongues to God privately. I mean, like, they're in control of themselves. They can, they can stop if they need to, and there's no one to translate. And though I've never experienced this manifestation of the Spirit, from my discussions with other people, from my studying, it's this seems to be a very meaningful way for people to connect with Jesus and something the Holy Spirit gifts many Jesus followers with. And Paul says he does it. He does it more than anybody else in Corinth. And he encourages it in its proper place, which is, which is usually a private prayer time. And if it must be done in public, like we said, if it must be done in the public gathering, then you need someone who can translate it. Why? Because praying in tongues doesn't do anybody else any good. Like if you don't know, if they don't know what you're saying, what what good is it? Like what's the point of most gifts that we said? The good of the community, the good of everyone. And so Paul says, speaking in tongues is great, but you know what's even better? Prophecy. And you're like, ah, yes, like tell them the future. I want to tell them. No, <laughs> that's not what he's talking about. See, prophecy is people who are in control of themselves, but they're speaking to God's people under the influence of the Holy Spirit. They're using their mind that has been renewed by the Holy Spirit, that has been reflecting on Scripture, that has been filled with the songs of Jesus, kind of what we talked about last episode. They're using that mind to, when felt led by the Holy Spirit, to give a spontaneous but understandable encouragement or challenge to those who are gathered together. It's usually directed to the whole community, sometimes to individuals, but within the context of the community. And apparently, this is a gift available to everyone since Paul tells all the Corinthians to eagerly desire it. Why? Because unlike speaking in tongues, everyone can understand prophecy. So it edifies, it builds up, it encourages everyone. And as we've seen, these people in Corinth needed some building up and guidance. And so Paul says, Since you are so eager to have the special abilities the Spirit gives, Seek those that will strengthen the whole church. And some people will say, like what I'm doing right now is prophecy, right? I studied scripture. I, I prayed and I asked God what he wants me to say in these things and what he wants me to write in my notes. And I hopefully allow the Holy Spirit to influence me as I write. And maybe they're correct. But again, it doesn't seem to be exactly what Paul is talking about here. I feel like I'm more teaching right now. So we can understand the apostles' teaching, which probably it might have been prophecy in its own way, speaking for God. I'm teaching these things so that we might be able to discern. And why do we need to discern things? Well, think about what prophecy is. Somebody saying, I'm speaking for God to the whole community. Doesn't that seem like stuff that could be abused and used to manipulate others? Yeah, it definitely could be, and it has been, and it still is. Which is why Paul says here and in other letters, if someone says they have a word from God, the others don't just accept it. They test it to discern if it really is from God. And they discern what they should do about what it's said. And so as we, as I teach, hopefully we're learning to discern what is from God. Like, is what is said pointing to Jesus? 
Or is it just someone's personal point of view or agenda or to get something for themselves? Does what is said line up with the heart of God as revealed in Scripture by Jesus' appointed spokespeople, the apostles? Does it point to love, to Jesus' love? That's how we discern. So, with all of this, it is clear that in the gatherings of the first Jesus followers, they experienced amazing manifestations of the Holy Spirit. And Paul never tries to stop them, but he says it must be done and viewed properly. The point of these manifestations was to build up the church as they lived as the people of God to show the world the love of God. So, with all of this, does this mean if our lives and our churches don't look like the early first century Christians that were, were doing something wrong? Like, if we aren't seeing healings every other week, do we not have the Holy Spirit? No. Like, often we'll read, like, Acts, where we get all these stories of healings and miracles and stuff. And we see miracle after miracle on every page, right? And we forget that the author, Luke, is describing what the Holy Spirit did over decades. And he's describing what happened, not in just in one area, but many diverse places. In fact, like, the book of Acts, you could see it as the greatest hits of the Holy Spirit. And when Paul's writing, he's writing to specific churches, not always saying what every church should look like. The Spirit doesn't have to work in the same way at every period of history, nor in every culture or local church. See, I, I've been with Jesus for decades, and I really can only count a few things I've experienced. And it's, it's not even like one interesting thing a year. And I've never spoken in tongue. In fact, the idea kind of scares me because I never grew up with it. But just because we haven't spoken in tongues doesn't mean the Holy Spirit hasn't manifested himself to us and through us. Like, has your love since knowing Jesus and following Jesus, has it grown? That's what's most important. Has God loved others through you? That is a miracle. So what does all this mean for us? A couple things. First, we need to make room for diverse beliefs. Some of you might say, like, you know, for the most part, I think the gifts are done. Like, they're, they're not needed anymore. Fine. Others might say, no, they're not. I think they're like, let's, let's do this stuff. Like, let's release it. That's fine too. Question, do you love Jesus? Then love each other. Love is the greatest gift of the Holy Spirit, and it never goes away. Now, I'm not trying to push anyone, but if maybe you're more on the like, you know, I'm just not sure about this stuff side. Here's what I'm going to say. We need to be open to diverse manifestations of the Spirit. Think about it. If there is a God and Jesus rose from the dead, what's actually impossible? Theologian N.T. Wright, in all his wisdom, I think said it perfectly. He said, God does all sorts of odd things. Like, who are we to tell God what he can and can't do? Why would we want to put God in a box? Now, I personally believe God gifts and uses people today just as he always has. And he can do whatever he wants. And the guidance Paul gives here should always guide our practice and experience with such things. So, here is my challenge to us. Let's focus on the greatest gift, love. While being open to the Holy Spirit loving and building us up together any way he sees fit. So I think our goal for this episode is as scholar and pastor Tim Mackey said, let's cultivate an awareness of the Spirit. Let's be wise and at the same time be open to the Spirit of God, the breath of God, the Ruach, the wind of God, blowing wherever and however he chooses. So what will this look, if you're part of Cross Creek, what will this look like for Cross Creek? 
don't know. Maybe we need to make room in our gatherings for someone to share what God has put on their heart. What I do know for sure, this means we need to be seriously committed to loving each other, despite and, in fact, because of our uniquenesses. Nothing will show the fact that we are God's people more than the Holy Spirit empowering us to love each other. So as Paul says, don't resist the Holy Spirit. Don't resist this love. Forgive each other. Accept each other's apologies. Let go of annoyances and spats and division and assume the best of each other in love. Because our goal is the same as Paul's, unity with diversity. So to reach that goal, this week, we can read 1 Corinthians 13, 4 through 7, where Paul describes what this love from the Holy Spirit is actually like in our daily lives. And then, let's pray this. Holy Spirit, show me how to play my role in living a life of love together. Lead me, guide me, and use me as you will. God does all sorts of odd things. Let's not put God in a box. Let us cultivate an awareness of the Holy Spirit in our individual lives and in our life as the people of God. God wants to use each of us together to show the world the life he has offered through Jesus. The Holy Spirit empowers the people of God to experience and live the life of God now. watching this content put out by Cross Creek Community Church. There is lots of YouTube videos and podcasts available for you. If you missed any of the other messages in this series, you can also hear these in person at 4.30 on Sundays. We have in-person connect groups that happen during the week throughout Salem. And if you're interested in joining one of those, you can email us at info at yourcrosscreek.com. Don't forget, we are a nonprofit 501c3 organization. And the only way we survive is off your monthly gifts. So if you're interested in finding out more about how to give, you can look at the link on the screen or it's yourcrosscreek.com slash donate. Thanks so much. Have a great week and we'll see you in person on Sunday.